Welcome back for episode 36 of Self-Signed Artist. We've talked about projecting a consistent image as a solo artist, but how do you do that when you're in a band made up of a bunch of individuals? That's what we're talking about today with Alex Magnin from Young Culture. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. What's up, Jake? Anything new since our last episode? Uh, no, not within the last two hours. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so today we are actually recording two episodes. Earlier today, we talked to Johnny Two Phones, who you heard if you listened to our episode last week, I guess it is now for people listening out there. And then he and Jake went off and made another hit record. And now we have the privilege of talking to another great guest in the same day for us and for you the next week. And at the same time, in this episode, we're also making good on a promise slash goal to talk to more bands in 2021. So we talked about that in our kind of year-end episode, summing up the year of 2020 and looking forward to 2021. So I'm really excited because in this episode, we're joined by the lead singer of a band that I've been following for a little while, who also happens to be from the Albany, New York area, because... If you listen to this podcast, you know we love Albany artists on this show, or at least you guys used to be from the Albany area. Maybe we'll talk about that. You guys are all over the place now. But <laughs> we want to welcome to the podcast, Alex Magnin from Young Culture. Yo, what's up, Jake? <laughs> what's up, Kobe? What's up, man? How's it going? Chilling, chilling. Thank Just, you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I mean, I really appreciate it. You guys said you uh, did Johnny Two Phones earlier today, which is cool. Yep. Jake, I'm excited to hear whatever stuff you've been cooking up today. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're working. We're working. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, just got back, you know, from the holidays and whatnot and just trying to settle in. And, you know, it's weird. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't really, like, feel like a new year to me. <laughs> Not even close. No, yeah. It feels real weird. Just like an extension of COVID. Yeah, it is an extension of COVID. That's really like how it feels. It's like, especially because, you know, I didn't do like much at all celebrating on New Year's Eve. And that's like my favorite holiday because it's just mm. like the biggest party. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I got gypped this year. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't do anything at all to celebrate for, for New Year's. We were just like hanging out in the apartment, turned on the TV for the ball drop. And like, that was it. <laughs> Same. Jake, did you do anything? Uh, no, nope. <laughs> I actually <laughs> forgot that it was New Year's all day. <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> Just working in your studio like normal? No, like I, I was, I, I mean, I wasn't out and about, but like I had some appointments and like whatever, but like all day I was just like, oh, like, it's New Year's. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're supposed to be raging right now. Right. I know. I felt so gypped of a fucking rager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which obviously we all we all need. So in due time. We'll, we'll make a promise the three of us are gonna rage when we can. <laughs> yeah. So were you you're in Manhattan now, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh moved here like right before the pandemic and then we went on mm -hmm. like luckily we were allowed to do at least one 
tour sort of in 2020. But I moved here like in January and then February, March, we did a full US and then we were on like the last four days of the tour. It was Toronto and they like kind of came in the room, like the tour manager came in the room and he was like, this is like the last one. He was like, the world is fucking ending. <laughs> so, yeah. And out of the country at the same time too. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that was scary because like they were telling us, they're like, oh yeah, like good luck because you might not be able to get back in. And we we're like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, before we get to what you're doing in the band now with Young Culture, I want to go back to the beginning just for our listeners and give everybody a little bit of a background of you and your music and kind of leading up to Young Culture and what you're doing now. So can you tell us a little bit about how you started making music and kind of the origin story for Young Culture? Yeah, absolutely. For me, I guess my musical my musical journey started like as a kid, I started playing drums because I got two older brothers and they both are musicians. And obviously, you know, uh, when like you're young, you kind of want to be like them and do the things that they do. And <laughs> case in point is I never really did any sports, but I always was really into music and pl- started out playing drums, then wanted to like learn how to kind of like be a singer songwriter. So I wanted to like learn how to play guitar and sing. And then like from there, I really was just always the friend that could, sing kind of and always ended up singing in in like whatever bands I was starting and it wasn't really like by choice but I'm glad nowadays because it's definitely like my main vehicle but started a band like in middle school and then quickly got my best friend Gabe in it uh, who I met also in middle school and he's been in pretty much every single like legitimate band with me that I've ever been in And yeah, and then from there, we pretty much started Young Culture as just kind of like a side project. And that's kind of what it is today. It didn't really kick off until we were about like seniors in high school is when we started like taking it seriously. Uh, We weren't really like sure about college and all that kind of stuff and didn't really feel like it was the right thing, but we knew we loved music. So we started Young Culture and then in due time, our friend Troy, who, uh, we knew from a music camp that we went to when we were younger ended up joining because it was just me and Gabe and uh, yeah. And now it's the three of us. So it's me, Gabe and Troy and that's young culture. Nice. So you guys were kind of childhood friends and it sounds like that sort of formed into this band. Was that, that was all in like the Albany area. Is that kind of where you all grew up? Yeah. Well, me and Gabe grew up in, in Albany and like I said, like it kind of started out just us. And then we got a drummer who was also from the Capital Region who doesn't play with us any longer, but his name's Nick Caven. And he's also like an awesome engineer, like producer and stuff. He was in the band for a long time. And then Troy, I, I pretty much posted on Facebook that we needed a guitar player for a tour. And so he flew up to Albany. And then after that tour, it's like the rest is history. Like he was like, I like need to be in this band. And we we're like, yeah, man, like, you're cool as hell. <laughs> so yeah. And, and it was weird with him too. Cause we hadn't seen him in like four or five years since then. And you know, saw him and it was like great. And we're like the best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think that being childhood friends or like knowing people in camp, like knowing people from a long time ago in your past has helped shape the sound of the band overall. Do you think that's had any influence? I'm sure it has had some influence on the way you guys work together. Hell yeah, man. And like, and especially like you said, like I think with the sound too, I mean, 
the project is called Young Culture, and and that is definitely like just a note to what what we do and who we are. I think you know. I mean, like it's weird. Like I'm 22 now, but it still feels like I haven't like grown up in a lot of senses. It, like in ways of like I'm still making music like with my childhood like best friend and like people like that. And so in a lot of ways to answer your question, yeah, it does because like we all just grew up together and, and we all love like the same things and draw inspiration from the same places. So it's like, I always say this, but it's like, that's kind of why I feel like it is young culture, you know? Yeah. I I think that has a lot to do with like why a band can really work because especially if you're growing up with the same influences, like if you're all from the same area or something like that, you grow up hearing the same things. There's like a culture in the area, whatever high school or anything like that, where you're, you're kind of getting the same influences and that can really lead to a cohesive band thing. And I think being in a band too adds like an interesting element that you don't necessarily get as a solo artist. Cause like the music, your image, your branding, the whole kind of package has to sort of speak for everybody. But at the same time, you, you still have like different personalities that like make up the band. So for you guys, just from seeing things around the internet and stuff with all of you, it seems like there, there are definitely like distinct personalities and everything there still, even though you might have that common background. So how do you find that balance between projecting like a cohesive band image and also bringing out and highlighting the personalities of the band members? Wow. That's actually, that's a really good question because, you know, I, that's something I always felt like is like, you know, it's wild. Cause how do you, you know, create, like you said, a cohesive branding, but you know, in reality, you're all three for our, for our case, it's three individual people, you know? And mm-hmm. that's definitely something that we've like put thought into, but it, it's something that we've always wanted to like, make sure we never like tried super hard at and that, you know, it just came naturally. And we're, we're really like, I don't know, like we're all more similar, I think, than than not the three of us. So it, it, it came easily, but it is true. Like, and I think in the music, I think that individuality kind of shines through, you know, like, like Troy is a really good, like songwriter instrumental wise, you know, and Holt send us like riffs and stuff, but they tend to be like a little heavier than kind of stuff that I would usually write, you know, cause that's, mm. that's what he really likes, you know? And then Gabe will send like a beat that he made on Ableton. And that's more like, you know, pop hip hop and the shit that I write on my own usually turns out to be kind of more like singer songwriter esque. And so it, it it's weird because like, how do we make it work? I don't know. But like, I think that's part of like what makes it unique and really fun is because we are three individuals, three separate musicians, but like we want to make music together. So we, you know, find something that is all three of us, you know, if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, I think it's kind of funny because Jake and I actually the other day, after some other podcast episode recording, I don't remember what day it was. We were talking about K-pop actually, when it comes to like something like this, like having different people in like a band that sort of project different images that kind of like make up the cohesive thing. Like each member is geared towards like a specific slice of the overall audience. And obviously this is like, that's like a a more like manufactured type thing, but like you have the heartthrob or you have the moody emotional one or like the edgy (laughs) person. And I feel like that's like a potential benefit of a band, maybe an exaggerated version of that. But Mm -hmm. every, every band member can have a a type of fan that will relate to them in a, a more personal way. 
so I don't mean to suggest that young culture is manufactured in any way like that, but no, do you see- but I, I liked that. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Like I liked that example a lot because like, I think that's really cool. I didn't mean to interrupt you either, but I mean no, no. like, <laughs> like Kate, like the K-pop thing is a really cool example of it because I mean, like I know that it's manufactured, I think to some degree, I don't know too much and I don't want to offend any like huge K-pop stands out there. But I mean, like, I think that, you know, you could look at something like that and be like, oh, that is like really strange, but uh, like they got the right idea because it clearly works. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And, And these guys knew what they were doing when they put these individuals together. And that's like what, like nine people or something. And I think that that's really like, really interesting but it's cool like and, and i like the way that you linked it because it's it is essentially like the same thing it's just we got to choose <laughs> I just right wanna, yeah i want to throw something in there that kobe informed me about dude is that they have what'd you call them kobe that that not like schools but like these kids are brought up in in like an energy kobe i'm butchering it brother i know what you're <laughs> talking to. no i know what you're talking about Jake. i, I don't yeah. know what the word for it is either <laughs> Yeah, they like come up together. It's like a training camp almost or something like that. (laughs) For groups, that's insane. I was curious for young culture, if you had to put a caricature or persona on each member of young culture, like who would be which role in your K-pop band? Oh man, I'm fucking, (laughs) that's funny. Like, that's funny you say that. Well, I think that like, Gabe is like the heartthrob. He's like the hot boy. He's like the Pete <laughs> Wentz kind of nice. per- person of like our band. Like, you know, like, but he's like the business guy, you know, and he's kind of like, in my opinion, I think he's like the face of our band. And he, you know, like, whereas like, you know, I'm the singer, but like, I feel like he's got like the most personality and he's funny and he's handsome. So he's like the heartthrob one. <laughs> Troy is like the fucking really talented one who is the most fun like because he's a partier like on ten and he loves that shit and that's and that's what everybody knows him for anybody that like we go on tour with or that hangs out with him they fucking love him because he's like he's just so much fun so he's definitely like the fun guy and honestly like i'd say i'm probably like the more of the quiet one out of the three of us but i don't think i'm that quiet of a person anyways but i think that I think that out of the three of us, like I'd be like the the more like mellow, maybe not mellow is the right word to use because I'm definitely on 10, but <laughs> it's kind of interesting that you like connect that back to those particular like personality types too. Cause I think that kind of fits along with what you were saying about like the individual band members, like music tastes as well. And like what they bring to the table as far as influences. How do you think that those different influences, whether it's like a hip hop or a heavier side play well together to make something that's unique because you guys kind of have a sound with elements that are reminiscent at least to me of rock and pop music from like the mid 2000s i definitely hear like some influence of in there of that but it's also like completely fresh and new sounding like it doesn't sound like that stuff it's just it gives me the same vibe as some records that i loved that were made at that time and i I think that doing that is not an easy task. And in fact, it's something that we actually did a whole episode about, um, episode three on this podcast, which was about how to be different yet also familiar. So I'm wondering if you can connect some of your experience back to that. How has young culture managed to find the balance between creating that sort of familiar sound while also being new? 
Well, yeah, first off, thanks. That's really, really nice of you to say. But yeah, I, th- I think it all it all makes sense too. And I think Jake can kind of attest to all this because, you know, we kind of grew up like both playing in, in bands in Albany at the same time. And I think that that, you know, like we, we would play like a ton of shows together. And, and I think that all that definitely shaped a lot of it. But the very beginning of it, like, I mean, I personally, I grew up like the first band that I like, I loved was like Fallout Boy and like mm-hmm. Taking Back Sunday and like, shit like that and like dashboard confessional because like my older brother like and he grew up in like the early 2000s and and i would just always have his like cds and i would listen to that kind of shit and and i loved it and that's what i grew up on and like i still like love like pop punk like that like i really do but i think that you know when i started getting to high school and stuff i was you know opening more to like a lot more like hip-hop and then like listening to more like radio pop and stuff like that because i was very like into the pop punk stuff beforehand but um also around that time i was starting to like play shows and stuff and i would see jake around and and i mean like even like the bands that he was in i was like hearing what they were doing and i was like this is so fucking cool like and they would like take influences from other things that weren't like pop punk like okay like we're gonna do some some pop influence and stuff and i would hear like you know some like trap hats or something like in a song and like I just thought that shit was like sick and I was like you know I don't think you should ever put yourself in a box and you should always you know just try to do something different so I guess that also comes from a place of not wanting to be derivative Mm. I was always scared of that you know afraid of our music sounding too much like one thing you know but it's cool that you like what you said like it's like okay like we try to make music that's like true to itself which is like the pop punk kind of stuff that we love but also like think outside the box what else do we like want to explore with you know right and i think part of that comes through in a lot of the elements because there are definitely some like hip-hop elements in your music and some pop elements in your music as well like though it's it's the combination of those things drawing from influence rather than like what you said making something derivative and trying to sound like mm-hmm. fallout boy or whatever band it is that you grew up loving it's combining all that stuff. I think another thing that you guys do well from a branding sort of standpoint has to do with the overall image when it comes to your visuals as well, whether that's album covers or social media, like a Instagram feed. And that's something that I actually really have admired from you guys and something that I took note of and used as an influence and modeled the aesthetic of my own business Instagram around. So I was seeing all of your guys' photos from shows and stuff, and they have a very vibey sort of uh grainy washed out lo-fi sort of aesthetic that's kind of nostalgic and really complements the music i think who kind of is the one in charge of all that stuff and and can you talk about the process of like landing on that overall look for the brand yeah as yeah like that's really cool too by the way but um like our friend danny and i think i think jake i think you know danny you know danny deruso yeah yeah yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you've never met him, I mean, I'm sure you like you know who he is, but he's he's from like same area that we're from. He's from Clifton Park, but he's been around pretty much since we started this band too, and he's kind of like an honorary member of the band because he has always kind of we've always given him like a lot of creative like responsibility and stuff. But we always tell him like what we want, like you know, and it's cool, like all those things that you were saying, Kobe, like about making it cohesive because that's something that 
you know, I always really wanted to do is I always like when like pictures are cohesive and like the looks are. And Danny usually takes all the photos that we post mm. on like Instagram and stuff because we like we like it to be like a cohesive vibe, you know. But um, I think I think he's a huge part of it, and he he's really helped us. And we let him do, I think, three out of the four like artworks for the releases that we've done. And you know, he'll probably do more of them. But uh. Yeah, we really wanted it to be like cohesive and and look good, you know, together. I, and I guess it's never really been like super super important, but like it's cool cuz I think it can be like overdone too, you know, trying to like you know, if you're kind of having to sacrifice like things being natural in in some facets, I think it can be a little I don't know. I just think it can kind of go the wrong way, but well, yeah, I, I know what you mean where like it can go to the point where instead of everything looking cohesive, everything looks the same and that's just boring. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, but I don't, I don't think you guys ever had that. Like it always felt like a natural sort of thing. It was, it just struck me when I first like went to your guys' Instagram, was looking through, it was a bunch of pictures from shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It had like just a vibe to it. So it just, it more gave me a feeling rather than, I mean, I tried to figure out why it gave me that feeling. And that's how I kind of came across the idea of that cohesive aesthetic. But like when you first come across it, it just gives you that feeling, makes you feel connected to it. So I thought that was really. Dude, that's so sick. That's so sick. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And so in all of that, you, you had a lot of these photos. I think a lot of the photos may actually be down now from the shows and everything like that, as you guys have kind of, I don't know, 2020 has pulled away from some of that yeah <laughs> for yeah for everybody so in 2020 your focus has turned more to the release of your self-titled album which congratulations on on that that was october right yeah thank you yeah so um you, you transitioned over to that and then also to some live streams and some live performance videos that i've come across which i, I want to come back to and talk about in a little bit what I want to talk about first, though, can you talk about the experience of releasing an album during COVID? Like, that's got to be just a weird time to put out music. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it, it felt very, like, bittersweet in a lot of ways. And, like, yeah, we recorded it in September, October 2019. Got, like, the first mixes back probably at the beginning of 2020. And so we were certain about doing a June, like, release date. And then COVID happened and we were like, okay, like this probably won't last long or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so then we, you know, eventually landed on October and we kind of like knew we were presented with either sitting on the album longer or putting it out during the pandemic. And ultimately, you know, we ended up putting it out. And I think that's better than if we sat on it because I think that, it would have grown a little bit stale to us. And I think that even waiting as long as we did, like, I don't think it grew stale to us, but I think it almost did. And it was like, okay, like we're so ready already to like make new music, but it was definitely weird too, you know, putting an album out during all this, because what's half of doing this, you know, you make music and then you go on tour, at least for a band like us, you know, and we don't have that. Like, so it's weird not touring on it and all that, you know, and everything that I see like reaction wise is on the internet and it's a weird, weird feeling. But I mean, overall at the end of the day, like I'm very happy that we put it out and I'm glad we didn't wait. 
And it's like my favorite thing that we've ever done. So I'm really glad it worked out. Yeah, I think you guys have done a really good job of making the best of just a weird situation too. Like, obviously it would be preferable to tour on it, get people's reactions in a room and stuff like that. But you guys have really sort of embraced a couple different things, I'm assuming due to COVID, but like the the live video performance thing. I, th- I think I've seen you guys did one with Audio Tree and then also Skyfall Studios with friend of the podcast, Brandon Kapoor. That's right. I mean, we could, we could talk all day about how nothing replaces live shows and all that stuff. That's a topic that's been beaten to death like early on in COVID even. And I think the general consensus seems to be that artists just hate everything virtual, but you guys do it and you go like full in with it. You do a, a good job with it. So can you talk about your mindset when it comes to like those virtual live performances like at Skyfall or Audio Tree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't like, like what you're saying about the virtual thing. Like I'm not a huge fan of it either. Like I'd feel much better like talking to people in person, you know, like I feel like I don't really like this stuff's hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's weird. Like, and it's a weird like way to communicate and, and stuff, but did a few like live streams and we did audio tree. We did when we were on tour and that was even before COVID, but it came out, I think, oh, okay. during COVID. And we went from, we played Minneapolis the night before and drove all night to get to Chicago. And then that morning did the audio tree and then played at a venue called Subterranean in Chicago like that night. And it was just like a gnarly like 24 something hours or like <laughs> probably even more than that. But yeah, doing audio tree was really sick. And I think that having the opportunity to do that was awesome. But we did this live session at Skyfall to kind of replace, you know, an effect of touring and kind of to do something fun because these were songs, the two songs that we did were more of kind of like the side of our like hip hop and like produce things. So we didn't need like a drummer, which we don't have like our drummer who we have playing with us lives in Canada. So it's like, he can't, he couldn't come down. (laughs) Yeah. So like we just had like a fucking beat machine and then the three of us playing and yeah, I mean, I feel like you got to do stuff like that though right now, you know, because otherwise, you know, I get scared about like being like forgotten about, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I think that that was one way that we could showcase our new songs in a live way, but you know, without doing a show. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people just sort of wrote a lot of that stuff off and said like, Oh, it's not worth it. It's not the same as a show, whatever I've, watched a band live stream and like, it didn't feel like a show, so I'm not going to do it. And I feel like that's kind of, I don't know, you're, you're, you're still missing out on something. I don't think that there's like nothing to be said for those types of performances. I don't think that that's ever going to replace a live show, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't exist. (laughs) You know what I mean? I totally agree with you. Like, trust me, like I'm not the biggest fan of like that kind of stuff either, but like, you know, like beggars can't be choosers. Right. You know? And it's like, yeah, man, like I miss live music. I miss shows so much like, and, and all that. So it's supplemental, I guess. I mean, you guys have also started doing live streams, not of music, but of like a more personal sort of thing. So I think it's been a month now that you've been doing live streams on Twitch under like a channel called culture club. Mm -hmm. So that's more of a talk show, like fan interaction, question, answer kind of deal. And you actually came off of a live stream like 10 minutes before we started recording this episode 
today. Um, so <laughs> yeah. can you talk a little bit about where that idea came from to do Culture Club and connect with your fans in that way? Yeah, like exactly how you put it. I mean, like, I think a big thing about our band is like the human connection part of it, you know, like, and we love getting to talk to the fans and stuff after shows. And it's been really weird, like not getting to like, you know, talk to people, like see them, talk to them, see them in person, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to like find a way to do that. And it was so hard because I don't know if y'all like do Twitch at all or you guys like stream, but it's like it took us so long to try to figure out how to do it, but, um, it's been great. Like, I mean, we had like last week we interviewed our friend Doug who sings in a band called bearings. That's really awesome. And that was like really sick. And then today we just listened to like the demos from our album and like the last EP we did and just like went through them and saw like what was different. And I know, at least I know Jake for sure can like relate to this just cause it's like, you know, when you listen to something, like what it was and then like what it became. It's like wild. So we're listening to it and it's like, it's like so shot, like everything. And it's like, <laughs> and it's cool just to give them like a little insight of, you know, other things, you know, that we would just talk about in normal conversation. So it's been really cool and just a way to interact. And we were just making it like a fun thing. And we were like, gonna just drink through the whole thing. And now <laughs> this month I'm trying to do like a, a sober January thing and not drink. So today we did it and, and it was sober and I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tuned in for the, the first half of today. So I thought it was really cool. Like going through the demos and, and hearing about like the, the creative process, hearing the parts that got like cut out in the final version of the song and everything. Mm-hmm. And you guys even played some demos of songs that never made it on any releases, which was pretty cool. And it kind of reminded me of like, for me, being an intern in a studio, like sitting around in the lounge while the band is just like chatting and like reminiscing about whatever, a tour or, or those kinds of things. So it was kind of a, a cool like inside look at things that like fans don't normally get to see. So I think that's that's also kind of the other part of live performances that I think sometimes people forget about like trying to I don't know if emulate is the right word, but trying to to do in a virtual way. We kind of say, "Oh, well we can't do live shows. We'll do a live stream or something like that or a, a video or whatever or release new music, but you miss out on that actual talking to people in real time." Cuz it's different than social media too. It's not like responding to a DM or whatever. It's like actual, it feels, feels more personal. Exactly. Um, how do you guys choose what to talk about with your fans and like what they want to see? <sighs> Honestly, you're asking me, like, we're just trying to figure it out. Like day <laughs> by day, like we came up with the idea of doing what we did today, like this morning and like, and that's something we talk about. We're like, fuck, but I mean, I don't know. I think we're fun <laughs> enough dudes. Like we can just, shoot the shit for like an hour anyways and like it it always ends up being kind of fun so I mean I know it's kind of like a weird way to look at it but yeah we're just gonna figure it out week by week we're trying to not put any pressure on it (laughs) yeah I I think that works and I mean that's part of what I think people want to see anyways and why people want to meet bands in the first place is just to like talk and like I don't know not it's not a show it's not a planned out Mm -hmm. thing necessarily you're just getting a sense of people's personalities and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that's something that you're going to continue doing after COVID is kind of behind us? Yeah, I think so. I think we're planning on it. Like, I think we want to like, just keep doing it. Cause like, 
also like I like was telling you guys earlier, like the three of us live, you know, far away from each other. And we kind of like decided to take like one day out of the week to just, you know, like spend together and like work on music, like over Zoom and stuff and like any way that we really can. And that's just another thing. I mean, like we were kind of taking it and just making it like our party time, except like we're live and like people are like in chat boxes and stuff, which is fun though. Cause some of our like fans that tune in are like funny as hell and they say funny shit. So it, it makes it so much fun. It's really sick. I almost feel like that's what this podcast is for you and me, Jake. Like yeah. <laughs> it's right. I don't know. We just get together once a week and like talk and record it and it goes out to people. So, I mean, now now COVID is sort of, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe going to begin winding down shortly. I think, I don't think shows are coming back in the immediate future, but maybe the foreseeable future, finally, at this point. And I think that more bands and artists can learn from what you guys have just started doing and, and hopefully take that away and, and start trying to connect with fans in that sort of live real-time setting again. One other thing that I want to talk about departing from the live shows and live streams and all that, I want to talk about you guys as a band, as a business a little bit. So, I mean, on this podcast, we're called Self-Signed Artist, so we can't really gloss over the fact that you guys are signed to Equal Vision Records, right? Yeah. So I was just wondering, how how is being signed to the label impacted the path of the band overall and how you guys actually operate your business kind of day to day. Yeah. I mean, and that was something I was, I was thinking about too. Like, uh, what I was going to say is like, cause you know, it's, it's self-signed artists, but I mean, I still do think that like we can like relate in the vast majority of the ways because nobody like did shit for us, you know, like we did it like all on our own. And that's something I'm like very like proud about. Like we kind of like didn't get handed anything and we had to get signed like on our own and all that but I do think that having like like the label like helps in a lot of ways and having a team in particular Mm -hmm. um has helped us in a lot of ways because like I told you like it started out and it was just me and Gabe and like dude like we were just kids like we didn't know we were doing but we knew like we wanted to like try to grind and and we really wanted to do this and along with that came people that were you know interested and loyal to us and wanted to work with us so you know now we got like a manager and we have a booking agent and we have like a a publicist and, and a label and they all are really, really vital parts of our team now, you know, but that being said, like, I think that we did a lot of legwork to, you know, get to work with people, you know, and in, in that sort of way. Yeah. I I don't, I don't, I didn't mean to suggest that like we are, against labels or anything like that. Oh, or no, we're not no, no, against no, no. labels at all or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's something that we've talked about on the podcast actually before and how even when you are assigned to a label, I think a lot of artists come to the idea of labels with the misconception that you're going to sign and then things are taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You can kind of coast your way totally. to success. And I just, I like to hear from artists like you guys who are signed but still have that kind of self-signed mentality i think you have to have that self-signed mentality or i mean Mm -hmm. having a label doesn't matter you're going to get dropped because you're not going to do anything (laughs) you know so like you have to still have that grind and everything you got it right i'm wondering if you can give any advice for artists or bands who might be on the fence about whether or not to sign to a label or stay independent or even like pursue 
the label route? Like, can you give any advice to help people sort out for themselves what they should be looking to do? Yeah. I mean, like take it from us. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me to say person because I like that was always like our goal, you know, and like and that was our first like milestone that we wanted to reach was getting signed, getting signed to a label, you know, and it's like because like in like the kind of scene that I'm in and what I grew up knowing, like that was what, you know, what you were supposed to do. Right. So like that was kind of like a no brainer to us, you know, and I think that there are so many benefits too of doing it independently not necessarily like even just with a label, but like just by yourself. I mean, like it's 2020, like it's definitely possible and you see people out there doing it and they do it really, really well. But for us, it was always like, we knew that we wanted to get signed. So I guess advice somebody is, you know, in retrospect, that shouldn't be like your goal. Like your goal should be to make art that is like truly you and like what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, that's all, that's what like actually matters. I know that sounds corny as hell, but like, it's the truth. Like, I right. mean, like it's about the music and it's about the art. So that other stuff will come with it, you know, but as long as you're working hard, I think that's the most important thing. Cause like you said too, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're not like, once you get signed, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, like you get signed, like, and you make it then absolutely mm-hmm. not the case. Absolutely not the case. If anything, like it's harder, like you got to put in the work because now it's like, okay, like there's a reason, you know, we could get dropped or like, you know, X, Y, Z, all these things. So in my opinion, like, you know, it gave me incentive to work harder and, and it's Mm. great. You know, what do you think is the biggest misconception that most bands have about growth in the music industry? Is there any single thing that you can point to aside from, from that, that you need to be signed to a label? I mean, I think, I think that's like a big misconception and like, that's not me saying like that labels can't help because like our label equal vision, like they help us a ton and they're like a great label, Mm -hmm. but you know, I definitely, yeah, I think that is like the biggest misconception is that like, oh, like, you know, you need to like be signed and you need to things like that. It's like, you know, they kind of get caught up in like these like weird, like facades per se, like of, of music industry. I mean like, dude, like I see like so many artists nowadays doing it independently and especially like rappers and pop artists. And it's like, they do it so good. And like, I think that's just such a big misconception is that you need like all these things, you know, if you're, if you're good, if you're truly like a good artist, like you, you're gonna, it's going to shine through like on its own. Yeah. I think it's funny to me when I get the sense working with artists sometimes or, or just talking with artists that it's almost like they think that, getting signed to a label is going to get you fans. Like that's the way to get fans Mm -hmm. when I feel like it's so, so totally the opposite. (laughs) Like if you get a bunch of fans, you're much more likely to attract a label. Like that's the complete opposite of what it, how it actually works. Totally. I always think it's really kind of funny and interesting. I totally agree because like when we got our first label offer, like it was because they had seen that we were doing the work ourselves and, we had just gone out to California for the first time and then came back and we're doing our hometown show. And then like after Mm. that, they were like, okay, let's have a (laughs) conversation. And that was wonderful because like I said, that's what like I thought success meant for like a long time, (laughs) you know, thought that was going to be my golden ticket. And I mean, there, like you said, there's definitely benefits to that. 
I'm right. wondering if you can make any predictions about the music industry as a whole and where it's kind of headed maybe in the next five years when it comes to that sort of thing. Like, do you see things going more towards label-focused businesses for artists or more towards independent? Or do you see things splitting maybe and going to some sort of, I don't know, hybrid kind of approach where it's like a little little bit label, a little bit independent? Can you make any predictions about that? I can make a prediction, but like, I don't think that I'm like the most <laughs> knowledgeable person <laughs> well, or trust trustworthy person. So that's a disclaimer before I say anything. <laughs> there's no, there's no answer to this. Like, I have no idea. That's I'm, I'm just curious to see if, if you have any thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's just a disclaimer. Cause like, I don't know, but yeah, like we, like I was saying, like, I do think you're going to see a lot more. I think you're going to like, kind of see like the middle ground kind of break a little bit, which is kind of like bad for like somebody like me, like, cause I'm saying like, you got independent artists, you got like independent labels and you got major labels. And there, I think you're kind of going to see like that gap widen a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. cause you got your, but like in the same way, like those independent artists are going to be like at the same caliber as some of these major artists. Like, okay, like, let me take like an artist, for example, like uh chance, the rapper, so he's an independent artist. I think he still is. I think he has been. And he did it with no label and stuff. And I think that's a prime example of like, okay, like you really can do it like on your own. And I think you're going to see a lot more artists, you know, doing it really well because we have the resources nowadays. Kids can make all this stuff on their MacBook. You know what I mean? Like right. and you're going to see a lot more people who are just really that creative and really that good doing it. I mean, like, you know, not to like fluff you up or anything, but like someone like Jake, like, okay, like he, like he can make the music at his own place. He can write it. He can mix it, do all those kinds of things. And he's multifaceted. And I think that that's going to be something that is going to be a really key thing moving forward for people who want to pursue music. Actually. Yeah. I think that's a good well, example. Like Jake, do you have any insight on that or a prediction like if there's going to be more of a gap between label and independent or anything like that i honestly have absolutely no idea it could go i have no idea 800 <laughs> different ways tomorrow yeah straight up yeah. and that's then that's how it will go too <laughs> yeah and that's the great thing about the music industry i feel like too is that like i mean great depending on on how it works out for you personally i guess but <laughs> like that's yeah. one of the interesting things about it is that it's you can't like game the system or anything like that like it, it things are always developing and there's always a new way that you can like shift the way that you're thinking about something and use it mm -hmm. to your advantage which i think is what's great for independent artists right now especially there are ways to find those advantages for yourself without a label if that's the way that you choose to go or if that's the way that you feel is going to work best for you so i don't know i think it's an an interesting time at least as far as that goes and an exciting time, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, that's why this podcast is a thing, just to get people thinking about that, thinking about themselves as a business and not trying to look for the thing off in the distance that I need to have in order to be successful. Like, I can I can be successful. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a really good way to say it. Like, this kind of goes along. Sorry if I'm digressing from what you're saying, but this kind of goes along. And yeah. I say this quote to, like everybody when I work with them. And I was just saying this the other day to Brandon Kapoor. I read this quote and I don't know who it was who said it, but I always think about it. And 
I think it's a good one for independent artists who are listening. But um, the quote was, the amateur waits for inspiration to come to begin their work. The professional knows the inspirational will come once they begin working. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I always hold that one like close to me because like, if you're sitting there and you're thinking like, oh, like I need this, I need this though. I need this to be successful. Like chances are buddy, like it's not going to like happen. But like, if you get off your ass and kind of like go make it happen for yourself, then chances are you'll get something out of it. You know, if, if you work hard enough, you know, long enough. Yeah. I think that's a great quote. That's one I'm going to have to write down and remember. I think, I mean, I think you guys are a good example of that, like making things work, like starting something and then figuring it out, you know, like that's even, it kind of sounds like what a culture club is like you're starting it and then you're sort of figuring out as you go, like the inspiration comes and you build off of that. So I don't know. I'm really excited to see what you guys are going to do, especially as we come back from COVID and everything. You've got your debut album out now. You're ready to launch back into touring, I'm sure, when the time comes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fun to watch you guys in the next couple of years. Um, Is there anything else that you have lined up uh, for the band that you can talk about? Uh, You know, like 2021, I don't really know. And it's a little bit of a scary feeling because it's all pretty uncertain. You know, my hopes are that we'll be able to tour again and that we'll be able to be back out on the road and playing shows because that's ideally what I really want to be doing right now because we just put out a record. But if the reality is that we can't, we're just going to put out more music. And, um, you know, I don't want to say too much about that, but I know we got some stuff under under the works and we're always working on music. And we're going to keep doing our Culture Club live Twitch stream every Sunday, you know, just to be hanging out with everybody and just do some funny shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so for people, if they want to tune into that, that's those are usually Sundays at, six or six thirty today was six thirty right yeah it's usually six though i think okay so i can go find you yeah. find you there on sundays well alex thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to us and right after a live stream no less so we're we really appreciate that and our listeners appreciate it hopefully you're not too talked out at this point after you whatever you talked for two and a half straight hours or something like that. Hell no. Um, is there any final message or word of advice that you want to leave our listeners with? Well, obviously check out the music if you want. Um, but you know, especially, you know, cater to, to this particular podcast. I mean, um, if you're a musician and you, you love music and you want to pursue it, um, don't let people tell you that you can't because you know, you'll never know if you don't try And I know so many people out there love music, but don't really think that it's a reality to pursue it at any capacity. But the three of us are all kind of walking examples of it. So I don't know. Just do it. And shout out Jake Mannix. That's the homie right there. So, you know, thanks for hooking it up. And, and And thank you to both for talking. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great. So for all of our listeners, Go check out Young Culture wherever you listen to music, follow them on social media, and stay tuned for, for what's to come. I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah, Alex, thanks for coming on, man. This is awesome. Listeners, please check out Young Culture and go ahead and let us know what you thought of this episode. Let us know what you think of uh, some of the gems that, that Alex dropped for us today. And maybe while you're at it, Leave a little five-star review for your boys on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, mm. wherever you wherever you consume 
via Apple, the podcast part, the podcast <laughs> application. Thanks. <laughs> Hell yeah. And in the wise words of Jake Maddox, fire, fire flames. flames. <laughs> Subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> That's all we've got for you this time. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. Word. <laughs> <laughs>